Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Welcome to Chat Noir, Mystery and Suspense. I'm your host, Linda Kozar, and today I'm going to be uh, interviewing uh, Dr. Richard Mabry, who who writes Medical Suspense. He's a retired physician uh, who, in addition to writing, is a husband and grandfather. He plays and enjoys golf and does 101 other things that retired people do. He got into non-medical writing after the death of his first wife with this book, The Tender Scar, Life After the Death of a Spouse. Um, he's continuing to write medical suspense with heart. And he his novels have been finalist in the ACFW Carol Award, Romantic Times Best Inspirational Novel, and the Reviewer's Choice Award. He's won the uh, Award and been named by Christian Retailing as the best in the mystery suspense thriller category. His latest novel is Cardiac Event, which has been given a four and a half star rating and a top pick by Romantic Times. He's also published um, four novellas, and um, the latest one is Surgeon's Choice. And by the way, he has 11 books. Um, Dr. Mabry, can we call you Richard or Dr. Mabry? <laughs> you can call me Rich. You can call me Richard. Actually, you can call me anything you want to, as long as you don't try to sell me siding or insurance. <laughs> Alrighty, that sounds good. Um, so, so let's get started. Let's get started here. Um, as I mentioned, you have eleven books and four novellas, and. I like to start with how you got started. You got started with that first book, um, The Tender Scar, and that must have been quite a tender book for you to write for your own heart. Was, Tell us about that. It was very di- it was very difficult. Uh, what I did uh, was to sit down, and, and after Cynthia died, uh, I, I did a lot of use of the computer. Uh, if you saw my handwriting, you'd, you'd know uh, why I use the computer, but I, typical I did, doctor's uh, handwriting. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, yes. But uh, I did a whole lot of this and ended up with uh, with a bunch of pages, oh, probably an inch and a half or more thick, uh, of, of uh, simply journaling, and decided, well, you know, let, let me let one of my friends uh, who who knows what uh, he's talking about read through this, and uh, he has worked uh, with the uh, Stephen Group in, uh, down in Florida and said, you know, you really ought to write a book. You ought to publish this as a book. And I had no idea how you did this. I thought you might go out on the corner and kind of flag down an editor like you do a taxi. Uh, finally, <laughs> uh, an, an editor took pity on me and said, you really need to go to a Christian Writers Conference. So uh, I did that. And while I was there, 
uh, a couple of writers uh, got to talking with me, discovered my background, and said, well, while you're writing, you really ought to try your hand at medical fiction. Uh, I, I, I did. You don't challenge a guy to, to try his hand at something, whether it's bowling or golf or writing, without <laughs> him taking that challenge up. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that the tender scar was accepted by an editor and has been in publication now for 11 years. It's in its second edition, but uh, which is I amazing. Also, well, it, uh, I'm, I'm I'm gratified. That's that's a ministry. But uh, I also yeah. discovered that uh, I could write medical fiction, and uh, after four years and 40 rejections of four novels. I was an overnight success, so so I got my first uh, published, my first contract for a novel, and I've now uh, had uh, eleven novels and four novellas published. Can I ask? Since you've you've gone through rejections, and lots of us writers oh, have, yes. do you have a special food you turn to, or or a special thing you do to kind of you know get you back on track? Because they're not fun, are they? They're not fun at all. A matter of fact, not just a rejection. Uh, remember the, when you got your first editorial letter and your thought was, uh, it, perhaps yours was, mine was, uh, they bought this thing. Why do they Why do they want to make changes? So uh, the first time I saw an editorial <laughs> yeah. letter, uh, I said, well, you know, I don't like this. So you fuss a little bit. Take, take about a day to fuss and fume. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't turn necessarily to a, a specific food. I'm unlike many authors. They all like dark chocolate. I like milk chocolate, so uh, I will occasionally have that. And then I, I will yeah. discover that, uh, that okay, well, maybe this will be better. Now, uh, when it comes to rejection, uh, I, I had a dry spell there where my agent could not, for the life of her, sell one of my books. Uh, I think probably I had about eight or ten rejections of uh, of a book there. Uh, you just mm. you just make that uh, part of your life because uh, that's part of publishing. Yeah, uh, you have to develop a thick hide, and a lot of people give up mm-hmm. after the first couple of rejections, and you can't. You just have to say, well, they just don't know me yet. They just don't know me. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> either either that. Uh, I, there, there was a great, great. Uh, tell you how long ago it's been. It was, a, it was a tape uh, that a friend of mine gave me, and oh. one of the lecture, one of the lectures in it had this line that I think is wonderful. I do not have to be universally loved and respected. Uh, I, I really ought to have that embroidered on a on a pillow and put it on the bed, but. Uh, <laughs> Reading, like so many other things, uh, is just very individual. There are some people who look at a book. I will look at a book, for instance, that's a bestseller, and I'll go through the first chapter, and now that's got to be better, and then I'll go through the second chapter. And by the time I get to the third chapter, I'm ready to throw it across the room. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's very individual. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. according to taste. And, you know, it may be that mm-hmm. it's not your time yet, like your type of novel isn't yeah. popular yet, but you'll be ready. When it, or maybe you need some more time to develop your craft. Yes. You know, I mean, there's so many oh, reasons. Yes. But um, 
I, so um, I, look at the, I look at one of my books that's on the computer and, and uh, one that was not picked up, and I think, thank goodness, thank goodness, this is one of my <laughs> earlier ones, and yeah, I see so many mistakes that I've made. Well, you know, I go back to those books I kind of shelved, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, and rework them because there's always some good stuff in there, you know, and I mm-hmm. think, yeah, maybe I can take some of this and put it into a different novel because um, you do have good ideas. So um, let's let's go in and talk about your your latest novel and um, okay. novella. Let's talk about both of those. Novella. OK. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the Surgeon's Choice. I've uh you know the feeling on this one too. I self-published this one. That is, I, I did not have a, a publisher per se. I, I Andy published it uh, using my fun. my agent. Actually, it's a lot of fun. You discover that uh, that there are, there are so many things that oh gee, I forgot to do that. I'd like to do this, and I've got to decide that. But uh, I, I wrote Surgeon's Choice primarily because a you know that doctors are always getting crossways with other doctors, but uh, then this particular surgeon uh, thought that the hardest thing uh, for him uh, and his forthcoming wedding would be to get the uh, the divorced parents of her his mother, I'm sorry, the divorced parents of the bride's mother to stay in the same room, much less attend their wedding together. Uh, but uh, then there are other things that happen, and it just keeps getting worse and worse for him. Mm. Yeah. And so, um, so it's is it sort of like a chain? I, I haven't, you know, been able to read that yet. <laughs> but uh, so <laughs> is that? Tell us the rest of the premise. <laughs> well, the premise being that uh, about oh, in the second chapter, his father-in-law approaches him for uh, some money. He doesn't really know why, although he can't he can't possibly handle as much money as father-in-law wants. His uh, his fiance uh, thinks she knows, and sure enough, it's because uh, he's back on drugs. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, some even. things are happening. Yeah, some things are happening to this young doctor that uh, could be uh, coincidence. More likely, are uh, a hangover, if you will, from his uh, conflict with his senior surgeon, who he's cross swords with, uh, and uh, it just gets worse and worse uh, as, as the novella goes on. One of the problems with the novella, as you know more than I, or as well as, well as I, is that uh, you really cannot develop two or three, uh, two or three different no. themes. Uh, you you have to you have to get in and get out so to speak, uh, and I sometimes right. think it's harder to write write a novella than it is to write a novel, especially a long novel. I agree, I agree, because you can't develop uh, characters as much as you would like to, but it's also a good mm-hmm. exercise in writing something very oh, tight. Good. You know, yeah, it's, it's um, good exercise, and it also keeps your keeps your uh, your name uh, your your writing before people. Well, um, I'll throw in one other thing that I did as an experiment because I, I indie write and also, you know, write traditionally. You know, have some mm-hmm. books coming yeah. out with Dayspring, but um, you're a hybrid. You know, yes. 
yeah. So uh, I write short stories, like short, I call them sweet petite mysteries, and uh, that are only like five to 7,000 words, and that's even tighter. But (laughs) that's been fantastic, you know, and one every month. And that's just been fantastic. Mm. So uh, there's so much you can do as an indie writer that you can't do um, traditionally. So um, where do you get ideas from medical suspense? Do you, is it from your personal experience or from other doctors you've talked to? And um, I mean, because well, writers get ideas. Simply, this came purely and simply from my imagination. But uh, Al Gensky uh, taught me at one of the first writing conferences I went to to ask the question, what if? And, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I look at a situation and think, what if? Sometimes out of the blue, I'll think, what if a young doctor is about to get married for the first time, his wife's uh, parents are divorced, uh, they're a problem, uh, then he, he uh, gets into trouble because he testified against an older physician at uh, at the medical center where he practices, and this doctor doesn't seem to forget. Uh, and, uh, you know, what what if all those things happened to hit at one time, kind of the perfect storm, uh, how would he handle this? So uh, mm. this one was Those really powerful words. imagination. But I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was still active in, in, at the medical school here in Dallas, uh, I walked out one time late one afternoon, as a matter of fact, early one evening, to the parking garage, and I thought, boy, this would be a great place for a kidnapping. And the uh, result of this oh, was yeah. a stress test that begins with uh, a physician being kidnapped, thrown into the trunk of his own car and taken for a ride, but he doesn't know why. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, there, there are always chances. Yeah. There are always opportunities. Yeah. Now, can someone who doesn't have a medical background write in the medical suspense genre? Oh, yeah, they, they can. What uh, uh, Now, the problem is most people like to hear uh, the details of what a doctor does, what a nurse does. Right. Just as they like to hear details, uh, uh, they like to hear legal thriller. I, I love reading the works of John Grisham and... and uh, Mm-hmm. And the works of Jim Bell uh, and Rick Acker because they they have the details. So if you are not uh, conversant with that particular genre, uh, you have to have a a good uh, source for the material that you write. But no, you can. Uh, and, it's and just a lot more there, work. There, it's a lot more work. What really kind yeah. of crossed my flakes is to get uh, the question that I often will get, well, I want a uh, an illness that does such and such, or what kind of a, an illness or a medical condition would give such and such. In other words, they write the story, and then they, they want to know something that would fit. It doesn't work that way. You have to go about it the other way around. You, you figure out what something does, uh, for instance, uh, typhoid fever or diphtheria and what would uh, what would this cause instead of uh, writing the story and then trying to trying to squeeze uh, a disease or a disorder into it have you have you ever thought though of 
doing that, like maybe a bioengineered sort of um, disease or, you know, maybe taking something and weaponizing, you know, some sort of disease and weaponizing it. Well, uh, Miracle Drug, for instance, uh, Miracle Drug, for instance, uh, uh, is a situation where uh, I, I invent I invent a, a disease or that is similar to one that most people are co- uh, conversing with. So, uh, uh, but but I make uh, make sure in the uh, in the author's notes in the front to say now there is no such thing as such and such. This is a hypothetical disease, and and you can certainly invent one. I mean, you are the you are the uh, author, so you can invent a disease, but. Uh, uh, I, uh, Jim, uh, not Jim Palmer, uh, Michael Palmer, who uh, is now dead, uh, used to used to invent diseases uh, all the time, and and that's perfectly legitimate, as long as you make it clear that that's what you want, it's what you're doing. Right. Well, you, you know, like I think the first medical suspense I ever read was Robin Cook, which was many years ago, um, mm-hmm. who wrote Coma. Yeah. You know, and and. Uh-huh. Of course, that was very popular, you know, and that was, I, I think that for a lot of people, that was the first medical suspense they, they ever read. And, um, and it was frightening, you know, but it was sort of, it, it fell into that realm of speculative fiction because, oh, um, secret. the problem with, yeah. the problem with Robin's writing is it's too scary for me. It really is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, right. it was scary. Yeah, I I write what I call uh, sleep with the lights on suspense. I mean, sleep with the lights <laughs> off suspense, rather. Uh, some people say, uh, write, like Robin, write uh, sleep with the lights on suspense. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember. Well, it, well, I still too. remember. Yeah, go ahead. No, keep going. Keep going. Oh, uh, when I was in the service uh, and before my family joined me, I, I served overseas in the Azores. So I was in the bachelor officer's quarters, and one evening I uh, uh, I picked up a paperback of Agatha Christie's Ten Little Indians and thought, well, yeah. I'll read a little bit of this. I stayed up all night reading that, and I slept <laughs> yes. with the light on afterward. So it was tough. Yes. Uh, that, I mean, what an inspiration, you know, that book is. Um Mm-hmm. So I know you're an avid reader then, you know, I, we don't have to answer that question then. You've read a lot. Um, so well, I, I, I read primarily mysteries. Yeah. Well, nothing wrong with that. That's what I love yeah. too. Um, now, do you, <laughs> as a doctor, do you sometimes, because you write medical suspense, do you sometimes scare yourself when you visit a doctor and think, Ooh, if he doesn't, oh, you know, yes. like watch him closely. Oh, Hey, wait, he's not doing oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I have black coat hypertension. Uh, they had to take my, yeah. uh, my blood pressure probably half a dozen times when I went into the service. Yeah. Uh, just just the other day when I had my cataract surgery, they had to take my blood pressure about three or four times because it was always up. So uh, you, ne- you never know. I watch everything. I, I'm sort of, I'm like that. I, I My pressure doesn't go up. My husband's does, but... Um, I watch the way they wash their hands. Is he cutting corners washing his hands? <laughs> and of oh, course yeah. now uh, yeah. we're going through this uh, flu epidemic, you know, and yeah. um, that's even more cause for concern. Does that does that scare you? I mean, uh, 
oh. I've heard that you can catch it more than once, the same flu uh, more than once. Well, there usually. there are, I don't remember the number now, but there's something like 26 or 30 different strains of flu. Uh, and uh, each year they, they choose the ones that are likely to be uh, involved the following year. Well, this year they are probably the injection is probably the immunization is probably twenty to thirty percent effective. However, that's twenty per, twenty to thirty percent that you don't have if you don't take it. So, uh, uh, no, you you can uh, and you can have it two or three times because you have a different strain each time. Mm, you know, that's you can get H H two N one, and then uh, you could get uh, a different one. Uh, uh, a wait uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. No. I don't fun. know why my wife well, keeps um, calling me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, now, what's I'm going to ask you? We're going to do a little fun little lightning round in a little bit. But um, okay, what's next on your calendar? On your writing calendar? You know, what uh, well, ideas I'm, are you I'm, working on? I'm currently putting the finishing touches on a rewrite. And I, I bear down on rewrite because uh, uh, my first reader, my wife, said, uh, you know, your your premise just doesn't work there. <laughs> so I had written the whole blessed <laughs> thing. <laughs> so I, I rewrote it with a different premise, and I'm working on that one now. It's called Guarded Prognosis. And basically uh, the, the uh, hook, if you will, is that uh, a doctor walks out and looks at his waiting room and sees two men who are waiting who are obviously not patients, and they introduce themselves as DEA agents, Drug Enforcement Agency agents. Uh, and as if, as if that isn't bad enough, he gets a call from his father, who's a surgeon in an adjacent town, uh, who says that he's just gotten the word that he may have carcinoma of the pancreas. Uh, and, his, and his son uh, starts talking to him about treatment. He says, no, no, I just want your help taking my own life if this gets bad enough. So, so, <laughs> wow! And, and, and those those are the two day. primary lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's that's so what that, I, that's what that I'm a... writing, and yeah, I hope to have that out. I'm going to indie publish that one, and I hope to have it out by this uh, late this summer. And then I'm about halfway through a, uh, a novella that uh, that I will publish uh, in time for Christmas next year. Uh, that begins when a woman backs out of her driveway, uh, a position naturally, backs out of her driveway and, and finds a body lying there. So oh, that okay. one, that, that one right. will be the next one. And uh, so readers can find you on www.rmabry.com. Um, Richard, it's an R. Mabry. Yeah. And uh, Mabry is... Yes. Um, well, you do the R and then M A B R Y dot com, and then you're you're mm-hmm. on Facebook yes. and you're on you're on Twitter. Um, are you on Instagram? Have you made it there uh, yet? I have a I have a presence on it, but I never go there. <laughs> I have to tell you this. Same thing with Pinterest. I I, I visit Pinterest about once every two months or so. Uh, I, the problem, and you know this as well as I do. Uh, the problem is you cannot be everywhere and do everything on social media and still write. Right. But but I'll tell you what, uh, getting on Instagram was great because I reached a whole different generation of readers mm-hmm. there. 
you know. So mm. so that was pretty well, good. And well, I'll have I'm to, still I'll have to start it. going back to Instagram then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so hold on to your hat. It's time for our lightning round. <laughs> Okay. Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions, and if you can answer them, cool. Uh, if not, it's no okay. big deal. But uh, since you've read Agatha Christie, um, can you name two of Agatha Christie's most famous characters? Well, obviously, Hercule Poirot and uh, Miss Marple. You got it. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing um, how many writers, mystery writers and suspense authors <laughs> don't get that. <laughs> <laughs> so hats <laughs> off to you, Richard. Okay, um, guess which one of Agatha Christie's authors died in one of her books? Which there was one only of her one. characters died? One of her, I really don't one know. Of her characters. Poirot. I really don't know. It, it was uh, Hercule Poirot. Yes, he died. Uh, um. And it was interesting because it was his last case, and he goes back to where his first case was at a hotel. And um, he knows he's dying of heart failure, and he has made the decision to kill a person who evaded capture, and he's responsible for the deaths of five people. And so he really commits suicide by not taking his heart medication. You know, so isn't that interesting? Uh, That would fall. I I think he was taking amyl nitrate to keep his heart from giving out. That would fall under medical suspense, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'll have to go back and reread that one. Yeah, that Poirot's so last case. Okay. Um, that's not the name of the book. I should have written that one down. It's not that. Oh. That's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll but it, it but it will be his last. Wonderful. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay um, have you ever seen the movie Rebecca? Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Uh, no, I'm believe it or not, I have not. I've seen birds and, and the other ones, but not not Rebecca. Okay, so I won't ask you how she died. Um, okay. What scares you more in a book? Um, a door creaking open or um, a sudden piano, like like somebody plays something on the piano or a, like a piano riff or just touches the keys? What would scare you more? Sudden noise of any kind, yeah. Or, uh, the, the, okay. the sudden noise, whether it's piano or whatever, yeah. Do you use any of those devices, Uh, you know, say if someone's coming after one of your characters, you know, and they hear like a door creaking or something? Those are all very basic things that that seem to scare us. I I really don't. I should. Uh, You give me an idea for one of my books. Yeah, It's one of those chilling kind of things. Um, All right. Who is the author of the Sherlock Holmes mysteries? Oh, that would be Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, yes, sir. Yes. Um, uh, and most people, again, don't even get that. And I watch, of course, I w- watch the um, series with Benedict Cumberbund. Um, mm-hmm. Cumber- oh, I always say Cumberbund. It's not, it's Cumberbund. <laughs> I always want to say Cumberbund. I went to too many proms. And, uh, <laughs> Cumbersnatch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so finally, uh, Okay, uh, I don't know if you, there was an um, an American mystery writer called uh, Mary Roberts Reinhardt, and she wrote The Circular mm-hmm. Staircase. I don't know if you ever remember that. She was considered to be 
the American Agatha Christie and is credited with originating the phrase, the butler did it. Is there a favorite line of yours in any of your books that you can remember uh, or a line that you'd want to be known for? Uh, well, I'll, <laughs> when you said that, the first thing that popped into my mind is that uh, the the writer, Al Gansky, and I, a lot of people don't, have, don't know a thing about Al Gansky, always uses the term uh, tarmac atom. He always uses uh, tarmac atom, the tarmac. Uh, in every one of his picture, every one of his books, I don't know why, but if you if you look very carefully, you'll find that uh, somebody is always uh, either either it's Tar McAdam, McAdam which uh, is an airplane or whatever. Uh, you know, it's your signature line. Runway. See, and yeah. I think yeah. every author should have a signature line. Um, one that I use a lot uh, in my mysteries is something's not ringing up right at the register. You know, when there's something wrong, okay. and. Um, I just firmly believe everybody should have one. So that's well, well I you know. stole I stole this one. I've forgotten who wrote it originally, but uh, one of the lines that I use frequently is, "He let out a breath he didn't know he was holding." Oh yeah, that's. Um, well, gosh, Richard, it's been such a pleasure and uh, having you. And you're you're going to have your second eye done, your second surgery. You have that Cadillac removed yeah. from your eye, right? <laughs> no, I've had both of them done. Now. Second one was done. Okay, second so they're one was both. done yesterday. Okay, yeah. so I thought you were going. I thought that was a pre-op or something yesterday. So you you yeah. are all done. That's fantastic, all and right. we wish you the best. And um, thank you. So I'm thank you so much, and you'll have to come back when your next novel and novella, you know, when they're both complete, and we'll talk about those. Look forward to it. I'll sure try. I'll sure try to call you. Sure, I'll let you know. All righty. Okay. Thank you so much. I wish you the best. Bye-bye, Thank Richard. You, I appreciate it. Bye-bye.